Welcome back to the Collective Leadership Podcast. This is a space for leaders to discover, collaborate, and prepare together for God's work in the world. I'm Kim Valenzuela, and I'll be guiding a conversation today with our host, Kelvin Walker, and a special guest, Charles Galbraith. Reverend Charles Galbraith is the lead pastor at Clarendon Road Church in Brooklyn, New York. He also serves on the board of directors for the Christian and Missionary Alliance. He's the director of field education for Alliance Theological Seminary. He received graduate degrees in divinity and theology from Alliance Theological Seminary and Princeton Theological Seminary, and he's finishing his dissertation for his doctoral studies at Fordham University's Graduate School of Religion and Religious Education. We are so pleased to have Pastor Charles with us and sharing from the great wealth of his experience and expertise in matters uh, affecting social justice and the church. So welcome, Charles. It's awesome to have you with us. We've been having a lot of fun talking for the past hour uh, on this conversation, (laughs) but now we decided it's about time to hit record and uh, let our listeners join us. Charles, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me, and I really wanted to say uh, thank you for uh, helping yourself for also taking the time to be able to address this important issue and subject concerning uh, biblical justice. I really, uh, and kingdom justice, I really think that it's foundational to the gospel, and so for your intentionality in making sure this is something that's uh, part of who we are as a district is very important, so thank you. Hmm. Calvin, it has become kingdom justice and mercy is one of our core values. Yeah. Why is that? Why have you decided that kingdom justice and mercy is one of the top four values that we as a district will will stand behind? It's guiding everything we're doing and the future ahead of us. Uh, I would say I, while this is something that is foundational to the core of what, what I believe is part of the heart of the gospel, I would, I would go as far as to say I don't think I decided it. I believe this was a Lord mandate for us, that the Lord gave this as a mandate. One of the things I did when um, I was even thinking through and considering is the Lord in this, that I would become the district superintendent. Because I said to the Lord, I can't do any of this. I won't move forward with any of this unless you give me vision. If I don't have any vision, I'm not going to move forward. And I knew that the only way that I'd have vision is the Lord gave it to me. And so as I prayed, it was very clear to me what the mission statement was going to be. And then these core values started coming, and kingdom justice and mercy was right there. Uh, I believe this is the heart of God. You know, when we think about this, this is not just something that is the popular talk of the day. This is at the heart of the gospel. This is part of the heart of God. As you have been communicating more and talking with us as a team about kingdom justice and what that really means— You've begun to define it as kingdom justice addresses the social ills of society through the power of the gospel for kingdom renewal. Hmm. What are we really getting at there? What is this? How is kingdom justice so integrally tied with the power of the gospel? I'd love to hear from from your experience and Charles, from your experience. What does this look like? Well, if we're saying that the gospel transforms... And if we're saying that the gospel is good news for that which has been poor news, the transformation doesn't just stop at what's going to happen in the future once we receive Christ. We we get this idea that if we can get people saved, then everything will be okay. 
But I know a lot of people who have come to faith in Jesus and they're still living in conditions that are less than what reflects the heart of God. And if you look at how Jesus ministered in the Gospels, he didn't just go after the soul for eternity. He addressed very clearly and very publicly the inconsistencies, the injustices, the things that did not reflect the heart of the Father right there. So people's lives were transformed physically, emotionally, spiritually, and societally. And so um, this is not just some piece out here that you know, we're getting on the bandwagon because this is what is the fashionable thing in society now. This is at the heart of the gospel. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that even speaks to Jesus's call to ministry Mm. in Luke, the fourth chapter. He declares, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, Mm -hmm. to proclaim freedom, right, for the prisoners, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Mm-hmm. This, this was Jesus' call towards ministry, the very foundation of what he was doing in his public ministry here on earth, was to call for those who were on the margins of society to bring forth liberation and freedom and to set those things that were wrong as right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, as we talk about kingdom uh, justice, it is part and full part of what the gospel message is. It's what Jesus's message is. Mm-hmm. And so it's the message that we proclaim. And I've stated this in our, um, in our last podcast. This is a part of our founding. Yeah, you know, when, when Dr. Simpson left the church where he was ministering, uh, it, it, justice was a part of the reason why. He said, I can't be here anymore. If the people who are coming here that I'm ministering to are finding Christ and we're making a difference in their lives as they're here, not just their their spiritual lives, but their physical lives, and you can't have them here in the church, then I'm going where they are. It was a justice issue. Now, I'm not sure if Dr. Simpson said it that way, (laughs) but that was the heart of what he was saying. So it wasn't just that it was the heart for ministry and people who did not know Jesus overseas. It was also the heart for ministry to people who were not being treated well here. It didn't reflect the heart of the gospel. Charles, you mentioned to us earlier that you have a T-shirt that captures this well. Yes, I have a T-shirt that that someone gave me. It simply says it this way, justice. It ain't political, it's biblical. Hmm. That's good. Can you say that again? Because we live in a highly politicized society, and I think we as the church need to be reminded of this. You said it again. Once again, it's not proper English, but I love the way that it's phrased. It says justice. It ain't biblical. It's, I'm sorry, it's justice. (laughs) It is. It is. That's what we're getting at. (laughs) Sorry. Justice. It ain't political. It's biblical. And on the other side of the t-shirt, it has a host of different verses through the uh, the Hebrew Bible as well as the New Testament that speak about issues of justice and how God's heart is towards those who have been uh, suffered under injustices or suffered oppression and God's liberating power to set them free. And so I really think uh, that when we think about this, when we look at the totality of the text of scripture, we see uh, God lifting up those who have been broken down. We see Mm -hmm. the majority of the text of scripture is written to people who are under subjugation or oppression. Mm Mm-hmm. 
God bringing forth deliverance and God uh, declaring his word concerning them on prophets standing up and saying, this is wrong. And Jesus declaring, be set free and be loosed. And that's who we are. And I think that has to be the framework concerning how we look at areas of justice. Charles, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you as uh, the person who would be on this, this podcast, because I've watched in the nearly 10 years you've been at Clarendon Road in how you have, um, Clarendon Road is becoming and has become a place, a flagship in the community when it comes to er- this area of, of kingdom justice and mercy. So can you describe for us what that's been like for you? Where, where, where was this birth in you? Yeah. And how is that playing out in your church? Well, I think uh, issues of justice have always been foundational to me, even as a child, uh, seeing people who have been taken advantage of or, or bullied or things like that. I've always said thing that I believe that God put it as part of my heart DNA in regards to standing for those who uh, have, have suffered ills or suffered issues or challenges. But I think it came to full fruition concerning the gospel out here at seminary. We really started to, here at Alliance Seminary, we started really started to look at the text of scripture and to say that this is foundational to what we are called to, to be, incarnational ministry, holistic ministry mm. that ministers to the totality of the human experience. And so when I came to uh, our church, I, I could not divorce myself from the realities of the pain, the hurt, the issues and challenges that we, we were going through and suffering. And then my, my, my thing, particularly going to Brooklyn, is in Brooklyn you have three or four churches on the same block, mm. but yet sometimes those are the worst blocks in the entire community. Mm. And, and I'm saying if we have the power and the presence of God mm-hmm. uh, that's supposed to be life transforming, isn't it powerful enough not just to transform our souls, but also to transform the neighborhoods and the communities that we are currently living in for the advancement of God's kingdom. And so for us, that was a process that we wanted to really lean into. And so uh, our church, uh, by God's grace, has really uh, been a a place where people in the community feel as though they can be welcomed, but also the gospel is preached. Mm. So an example of that is about several weeks ago, we had a forum in the community at our church concerning housing, buying your first home, and what does that look like? And it was a packed place, and so that took place on the Saturday. The next day was a Sunday morning. That Sunday, several people came from that uh, gathering on Saturday, and one particular lady came and gave her heart to Jesus, started a relationship and friendship with Jesus, and after I followed up with her, she said, listen, Pastor, I've been a lifelong atheist, Uh, but for some reason, I came to the this forum and I said, if a church would have a forum like this, I need to know more about who these church people are. And so she came on Sunday and heard uh, the gospel message and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's why I really do believe uh, that justice issues cannot be uh, devoid from evangelism, mm-hmm. uh, that they are interconnected, interwoven, that uh, justice is evangelism. Evangelism is doing justice. Mm. That's, that's what we are, we are called to, to, to do. I think that uh, when there was that split or schism in the early 1900s between uh, the social gospel movement and fundamentalism or evangelicalism, that that uh, was misinformed. Mm. And we are called to not do one or the other, but to do both and. And I believe that when we do justice, we share forth the good news of Jesus Christ. That's good. And people's lives are transformed. Now, I have to let you know, this was a process for us. Okay. Uh, now, I had gotten there as a, as, as a seminary student, but uh, if I'm completely honest, our church wasn't there, Okay. right? Even some of our leadership wasn't, wasn't there. And so it was a little bit of tension concerning this. Uh, but the way we processed it and the way we uh, engaged it was simply preaching the text of Scripture. I didn't have to mm. make it up. I didn't have to, have to come with other, other ideas or philosophies. 
but it's simply going through the text of scripture and seeing this is not just the new pastor's idea or new pastor's things. This is God's heart. Mm-hmm. And that we are called with it. We are going to serve this community to offer opportunities for God's kingdom to be made known in the tangible aspects of their lives. And so that's part of who we are. And I think the community has responded. Our church has responded. And sometimes I have to be honest, I don't know where the community ends and the church starts or the church ends mm-hmm. in the community because we are the community. Yeah. And and I, I really share with folks while I pastor folks who I see on Sunday morning and those who I see throughout the week in our groups, I pastor the entire community. And so some folks who don't come into uh, our church uh, who are on the corner or on the block, they still call me pastor. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? uh, folks who uh, I haven't seen them in a service since Easter, <laughs> but, <It's> still- <laughs> but I know when I'm on the street, that's my pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's who I believe we're called to be. And um, I, I really am excited that as our district starts to grow and develop within this, we have that support to be able to see uh, the gospel is beyond just our walls. Mm. I appreciate that you mentioned that you're, as a church and as a leadership, you had to grow into this because I believe that that is the challenge facing many of our churches and organizations is this movement from it's not political, it's not just social, it is biblical, and it is the gospel. Can you tell us a little bit about the challenges you faced and specific ways that you addressed it? I know you mentioned preaching from the text, from the scriptures. Um, but were there practices that were put into place or examples you can give us from that process? Yeah, what, what, one of the things is the, the preaching part of it is not just the preaching. Of course, it's preaching the text of Scripture, but then using examples of how seeing how people's lives were transformed in the illustrations mm-hmm. uh, concerning uh, what our church did or how we engaged in certain areas. Uh, but there was pushback. There was pushback. They said, folks say, we hired you to be the pastor of this church, <laughs> not the pastor of this community, right? And, yeah. and so you have those, it's, well, our pastor's always uh, out there on the streets and uh, always always doing these different things in our, in our community. But I have to let everyone know, and I let them know, when you guys have called me, I laid out my vision. It's clear that this is my heart because I believe this is the foundational part of the, of the gospel from Luke, the fourth chapter, that this is what we're called to do. And while I'm thankful and honored to be able to serve as a pastor and I, I submit to that authority, I also have to be submitting to the, have to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ and know what he has called me. And so my first call was not to this church. My first call was to God. Mm-hmm. And so I had to be faithful towards that. And then some of the pushback was, well, what happens? And those people don't know all the different things that take place in the life of church. And that's true. But I, I think churches should be messy places. Mm. I think, I think they, they shouldn't necessarily uh, always have all of the decorum and order that we have. Because guess what? We are all messy people <laughs> at some place at some point. And so it, it's, it's been, it really has been a process. But I really am proud that folks have really grown and they've, they've taken it on. And then what happens is when you start... To, I really do believe when you start to model the foundations of what biblical justice is, that people's lives will be transformed. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Also, I believe people would start to join that movement. Mm-hmm. And so what I think also encourages folks that this isn't something this guy was doing to destroy our church, but rather our church is growing. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our church is engaging. And then the folks who were, who were once in the community are now part of the church mm-hmm. and the folks who used to be that that brother we saw coming in for that uh, community meeting is now a deacon 
Mm. That, that sister uh, who, who we used to see who was uh, helping out with the food pantry and dealing with immigration issues is now on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that person who was uh, there who was assisting others in regards to getting them uh, set up for the senior center, uh, getting registered for the senior center, is now an usher. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing that those areas within our community that we were serving, folks just started to connect with what God was doing in the ministry. And so I think that also allowed uh, the congregation to grow, but it also allowed the congregation to see that this wasn't something, this was a movement. This mm-hmm. wasn't just an idea. This wasn't just a philosophy. This wasn't just a program. This is a movement of what God wanted to do. Yeah. So as I hear you saying that, the thing that stands out to me is that uh, it just really expands upon and explains why you cannot uh, look at issues of justice as separate from the gospel and why the gospel is more than just uh, transforming a person's heart for the pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. In other words, if I only preach the gospel of salvation and people come to faith in Christ, which is what we, we want, then I'm, I'm preparing their soul for eternity and I leave their life the same here. It's really basically saying to them, be thou warm and be thou fed. Yeah. But if I'm only going after the social ills of society and addressing only those things that have to do with uh, the social ills of society, it becomes a humanitarian effort. And I've done nothing to address the, the poverty of the soul that only yeah. Jesus can transform. And so it's a, it is a both and. It cannot be separated. I, I definitely agree. It has to be a both and. And what way I like to frame it is that our justice work or biblical justice, kingdom justice work, is the opportunity that we get uh, to have an opportunity to be heard by those who are seeking Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, And sometimes uh, people will not hear me unless they have known and see the work that we have continued to do to see our community transform for the good, right? And so they, they, they might not be able to frame that good yet, but many times the first thing I get, uh, just because of the culture that we're in and the, the, the way that we're living within society, is people say, well, what is the church doing? How, mm-hmm. how, how, right. how things get getting better? Y'all just taking people's money, y'all just talking stuff down there. Say, so, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. Uh, we, we, we have health clinics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. that, that we, we have a senior center that services 150 seniors every, every single day. We have immigration services that are provided monthly, that we have attorneys who assist individuals in regards to housing issues. No, 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 we, we're here on, on the ground when, on issues to gun violence. We've taken over 100 guns off the street in regards mm-hmm. to gun buybacks. No, no, we're, we're in the midst of what's taking place within this community and we're showing up. Uh, I can't remember exactly who says it. I just know I didn't say it, so I'm not plagiarizing it. Uh, but someone, <laughs> someone said, uh, the only gospel a hungry man knows is food. Wow. And so sometimes, you know, we can't necessarily communicate the fullness of all the, the aspects of who Jesus is if that person is in a place where they're saying, well, I'm hungry. What are you talking to me about, about this? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in the midst of what are you doing uh, to transform my current situation? When you say that, listen, we've been on the ground here, then they say, okay, y'all are about something. Yeah. Y'all, y'all are not just here just doing this every, every once in a Y'all are about something. And it gives people an opening to hear the good news. And then I, I really do believe in the power of God's spirit uh, that uh-huh. when we share the gospel message, and people's hearts are not hardened, but opened up, their lives are transformed. And so I really do believe that our evangelism ministry and our justice ministry are interconnected. Mm -hmm. Uh, That what we we do... So uh, can I give another prime example? I know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm monopolizing time. Can I give give an example? No, go for it. Uh, In our community, about three blocks away from our church uh, is the largest... uh, It's not a housing project, but a housing development in New York City. It's called Flatbush Gardens. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are close to... 
15,000 apartments in this huge facility wow. uh, that, that are there. We took on a project where we were going to make sure uh, that as a church, our evangelism team was going to make a contact with each and every apartment in that particular facility. Believe it or not, they did it in one day on a Saturday. Wow. Uh, some people took two and three buildings and they, and they did it. The powerful thing is we also have a ministry concerning those who have suffered gun violence. Uh, and so one of our pastoral staff uh, was ministering to a mother who had just lost her son about a week earlier concerning gun violence. Mm-hmm. And she was, he was ministering to her. And he said, Lipson, I'm going to follow back up with you. And so he gave her his car. She said, wait a minute. I know this church. She said, they were here earlier. There was an evangelism team that was, that was here earlier <laughs> wow. who stopped by and shared the gospel. She's like, you know what? I'll be there tomorrow to be able to fellowship. And so I thought that was a wonderful example yeah. of how where we were meeting the physical needs of a mother who was going through trauma concerning her son who had been lost to gun violence. The church had also been there in regards to the evangelism team to share the message that Jesus is able to transform their life. And it wasn't until she made that connection that while you were here caring for my physical need, now that opens me my, myself yeah. up to be able to receive in regards to the spiritual need that I'm also experiencing. So yeah. uh, I think that that's kind of the framework where we are. That's great. That's great. Uh, you know, I think uh, because our district is so diverse, uh, we have things going on in urban America. Yeah. We have things going on in rural America. We have city and suburban. We're a very diverse district. Yeah. Listening to you give examples from how God is using Clarendon Road to speak into issues of justice and mercy in Brooklyn, you could get the idea, oh, that's a a Brooklyn issue. But can you talk to us a bit about how you can identify issues of justice no matter where you are and and what it looks like to use your voice. In fact, you, you shared with us earlier about a church you had just come from yeah. in Salem, Oregon. And I uh, would love to hear you to speak to that because I think this is important for our district yeah. to hear. And, and thank, thank you for praying for that. That's exactly where I was going to go with it uh, is because uh, while I'm, I'm located within my particular context, I believe that you're called to the context that God has, has set you. But just because you are called to a rural or a suburban context does not mean that you are not called to biblical justice, mm. right? Uh, it, it, that you're, you're not you're not you're not called to kingdom justice. Uh, but I believe wherever you're located, you're called towards that justice issue. And believe it or not, wherever you are, I'm convinced there are people who are hurting. That's right. Right. Uh, they, they may hide their hurting in different places, mm-hmm. but there are people who are hurting. So I was in Salem, Oregon, so they don't have some of the issues concerning gun violence that we have in central Brooklyn. They don't have some of the issues concerning housing that we have in central Brooklyn, but they have an issue concerning the opioid epidemic that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so concerning methane use as well as heroin use mm-hmm. as, a, as a skyrocketing place. And so they have a free health clinic that is servicing these folks to get them the help that they need, but then also is partnered with strategic ministry to help minister to them in the midst of this so that their physical need is met, but then also the spiritual need is also met as well, which I believe is the gospel message that we're Mm -hmm. called to lift up. And so I think sometimes the temptation is uh, for some folks to back away 
from what we what we are lifting up as kingdom justice because we'll say, well, I'm not in an urban area or I'm not uh, concerning some of the issues that are lifted up. But I would encourage folks, uh, humbly encourage folks to lean in, mm-hmm. uh, to see those areas where people are suffering, where people are struggling, where people are going through issues and challenges within your community and see what does it look like uh, for Jesus to show up in that moment? Yeah. Right. What does it look like for Jesus to show up in your neighborhood, in your community? Uh, as uh, the message translation talks about the incarnation, uh, that Jesus shows up and moves into the neighborhood, uh, right? Yeah. What, what does it look yeah. like for Jesus to, to move into that uh, particular neighborhood, whether it be a rural dynamic or suburban dynamic? Uh, I believe that uh, there's opportunities for us to model, to live out, uh, and to continue to work out a continued kingdom justice dynamic. Now, one of the things, I'm sorry. Kim, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, all these things are coming to mind. <laughs> One of the things that uh, I still remember from when you preached at conference uh, was 2017. Yeah. Uh, as you were unpacking the passage, uh, one of the statements you made was a church silent yeah. is a church complicit. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Yeah. And then help us understand why it is important for the church to use her voice when it comes to issues of justice and mercy. Yeah, I, I was. I do remember that time. I, I was asked to let you know I was nervous even even speaking it, but I felt as though that it's uh, what we're called to do in the midst of this. That we're not called to silence. We're called mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, and I think my, the phrase I was used is, was uh, that when we're silent on issues that matter and justice issues, it's symptomatic of a suspect Christianity. Yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, I, I think that uh, what we are called to do is not to shrink back, but rather to lean in. The Bible lets, lets us know in the text of Scripture that we, in Hebrews the 10th chapter, it says, we are not those who shrink back and are afraid. Mm. But we are those who have faith and are saved. That's good. Uh, and so an understanding to see, even if an issue is difficult, even if a challenge is difficult, the church of Jesus Christ is not called to shrink back towards right. it. We're called to speak into it, even when it's unpopular, even when it's controversial, even if folks in our church get upset and send us emails or, or I don't know if people write letters anymore, but or, or speak to us at, at, at the door. They'll text or, and put on text, Instagram. Text they make posts. Post, post, post it on, on, on Instagram or on Facebook concerning what we, we, we said, that we still are called to stand for what is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Dr. King. You know, I throw a little bit of him in there. Dr. King who always says the time is always right. To stand for what is right. Mm-hmm. It, it, and I believe that as the church of Jesus Christ stands for what is, what you've framed as uh, kingdom justice, uh, that we uh, stand in the will and purpose of God for who we are. And uh, I, I really do believe that that's when we see the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Mm. The other side to that, um, not being silent though, is also for the church to not just speak into it from the outside, yeah. but to step into it yeah. with action. Yeah. And so yeah. can you talk a little bit about uh, the concern of churches that want to just speak into the issues, but resist stepping in and the danger that that can cause? Yeah, oh, that's good. That that's is good. very good. That's that good. is very good. And I think that uh, is a, a fair critique because we, we can have sermons, a sermon series about something. And what I, we have what I like to call like our kumbaya moment. 
where we hug it out yeah. and we said, yeah, we need to get this together. We need to get it right. And then we go back to our silos and things stay the same and it's still divided. There's still tensions. There's still issues that are not addressed uh, concerning uh, economic poverty, concerning racial issues, concerning uh, ish- issues of, of, of immigration and justice and a host of different things. But what, what it looks like is what does a transformation in someone's life look like? Hmm. Uh, it's, it's more than just uh, a Sunday morning or a presentation, but it has to be something where people's lives are transformed. And so what does that, that, that mean? Uh, initiatives from our church to say this is an issue we can't no we can't take everything but this is an issue we've identified within our community that we want to see eradicated yeah so we we we, we set out as our, as our congregation as i'm talking about our context when i came to, to to our church in brooklyn we were the second deadliest precinct in regards to shootings in new york city wow uh, and we said listen uh, if we believe the gospel message, we, we believe that God can transform the lives of those who are committing violence, and we can see a freedom brought forth in this area. And so what do we do? Yes, we pray. And when I say we pray, we pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't want to discount or disconnect that from the reality. Uh, we had all nights of prayer. I know, I know people don't do that anymore, but we had all, <laughs> all nights of prayer. We had prayer walks where we walked and marched throughout our community, declaring and proclaiming uh, that our community would be rid of gun violence. But then we also went on the streets mm. and engaged in, and with, with young men, predominantly young men, in those areas where there had been shootings. Not at 6 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, but many times from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the evenings. Wow. Wow. Our pastoral staff and leadership were out there on those corners ministering, having conversations, and then bringing practical tools with other community partners to eradicate that gun violence, whether it be educational programs, job training, GED, those resources were available. The church showed up on those corners mm-hmm. in a tangible way, and by God's grace, over these years we have, have been here, we've seen a dramatic reduction, over 74% reduction wow. in gun violence within our precinct. We're wow. no longer on the top 10 in regards to shooting in our entire community. And that took place because pastors, leaders, our church came alongside, prayed, believed God, but also stepped up in regards to practical ways. We like to call it praying with our feet. Mm. So that there's, there, there is a connection, but also movement to see transformation. That's good. That's you good. just played out in action what it means, uh, Dr. Chuck Davis, that says... They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm, right. Mm. And so I can see you just putting that in action in the community there. Amen. Yeah. This, this whole time, this whole topic, uh, this whole uh, focus on this particular core value for us ties back to the call from Micah. You know, he's mm. told you, oh, mortal, what it is that he expects. So what is it that he requires? That you do justice. You love mercy. You walk humbly with your God. Every time I read that verse, the thing that gets me, whether it's, you know, one version says do justice, the other one says act justly. It calls for action on our part. We can't just stand back and speak to it. We have to, as you were saying, Kim, step into it because that is the heart of what Jesus did. He stepped into our broken, sinful, dilapidated situation yeah. and said, I, I, I'm taking action. But it wasn't just action for the soul. It was action 
for life. In seminary, we talk about these dynamics of orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Yeah. Uh, the idea of orthodoxy, right or proper thinking and doctrine, right, mm-hmm. concerning what we believe, which is foundational and key, concerning our our faith and what we believe. But then orthopraxy, right action, right doing. And so we mm-hmm. need proper orthodoxy as well as proper orthopraxy. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we, many times we can be very, very good at the orthodoxy mm-hmm. concerning what we believe, what we are called to do, but sometimes poor at the orthopraxy. Yeah. And I believe a full biblical framework is that you have orthodoxy orthodoxy connected and flowing out in your orthopraxy. Yeah. Right. Uh, I believe it's uh, Cornel West who's talking about this idea of justice is what love looks like when it puts its clothes on and yeah. walks around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's, it's the idea that I'm living out this thing uh, that I've, I've been talking about, believing about, sharing about. Right. And the orthopraxy is going to look different yeah. in Brooklyn and the Bronx than it does in Bedminster. You know, yeah. I had to get the Bronx in there since we just moved there. But, we, you, know, yes. you know, I had to say it, had to say it. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm glad we're, we're talking about that because we want to point out it will look different in your community. Yeah. But it still needs to be addressed. And the politics is not doing it. Politics were never designed to do it. The church was designed to do it. The church was called to live out justice and mercy in our society. Through this conversation, both of you have, have just painted a picture of what it looks like for kingdom justice to be recaptured in the gospel to say this cannot be separated from the work of the gospel and from who Jesus was when he was here and what he calls us to as we bring the kingdom of God on earth Hmm. as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. I know that we could talk about this conversation until tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Uh, but for the sake of our (laughs) listeners, what, what are final things that you would like to leave them with? A challenge or an opportunity to step into? Again, I believe that God is calling us back to our roots, calling us back to our founding, calling us back to the mission upon which we came into existence. Uh, We were never, from my perspective, uh, never called to leave our movement roots. Part of the movement root that we were founded upon is this area of kingdom justice and mercy. And so my challenge is, as a district, Let's go back to our roots. It looks different today than it did when Dr. Simpson first began this movement. But, but let's go back to our roots. Let's not lose sight of who we are. This is our DNA. It's not, it's not a fad. This is our DNA. I'd simply join with uh, Kelvin and say the same thing, reiterating that, that God has called us towards this. Mm-hmm. In whatever context, whatever reality that may be, uh, that God has called us to it. It's not an option. Uh, It's not something that we can uh, see as something ancillary to what our call and responsibility is, but rather it's foundational. Uh, And so I would say uh, those who are are leaders, let it bother you a little bit when we see that areas of justice are being ignored or injustice is rising. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I pray that it would disrupt you and disturb you to the place where you would be able to uh, see through the text extra scripture through your own experience of what God is calling you to do, not only see, not only speak, but also to do in the midst of that moment. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Charles, we look forward to connecting with you again on here. I look forward to it. It's fun. Kim, thank you for uh, uh, hosting and leading the conversation. Yes. We're glad that, uh, that you're doing this. <laughs>